Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm your host, Pastor Zach McGowan, and on this week's episode, Pastor John, Pastor Kenny, and I talk about the changes that we have noticed over the course of our careers in prepping and presenting the Word of God to congregations. We also dive into Pastor Kenny and Pastor John's messages on Gideon from the book of Judges. We hope you enjoy the conversation. All right, we're here uh, with Armchair Preaching in our episode, uh, I think this is 17, and uh, we're, as is the case with a lot of podcasts that are just kind of getting started, um, you're always kind of adjusting your setup, and this is a yet a new setup um, that we're doing today, primarily because uh, Pastor Kenny is, a, is not with us again. He is uh, away, but he's actually remotely calling in. So Kenny, tell people just a little bit about where you're at and what you're doing. Yep. Uh, good morning. Um, I am in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, preparing to attend the National Disciple Makers Forum, which is kind of a two-day workshop for people who are trying to figure out how to... Um, help people become followers of Jesus and do that better in the local church. So that's where I am. And we are in uh, my office once again in the armchair with with Pastor John. A big Sunday with Pastor John and uh, with installation service. Yeah. So now it's all official. It's, it's no, re- turn, no turning back it's, now. It's real now. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, like it wasn't real before, but yeah. now, 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 now the shouting is done. It's like my, my, the old days we used to say it's all done, but the shouting, now the shouting is done. <laughs> And uh, Kenny is in, in much colder climes than we are right now. It Kenny, is, what is it? Yeah. What'd you say? What's yes. the temperature? Uh, we woke up to the high 30s this morning. Uh, oh, it's going to warm oh. up to about the mid 60s, though. It's clear blue. So I hope I just sufficiently caused enough envy that you all need to repent. Yeah, it, it's 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 warm and humid right now. It says 76. I'm doubting it's 76 right now. It feels a lot hotter outside. And humid, but I hear we're getting a little bit of a cold front this weekend, so we will get a little bit of, of fall weather. All of us cold-natured people just had just died died just slightly yes. you know, when you told us the temperature there, Kenny. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, Kenny, thanks for joining us like this. Uh, important that that Kenny is on the call with John because for the first time since we started armchair preaching, um, I, I got to be in the congregation and and hear both sermons um, as just a congregant, and which was cool. Before we jump into our messages uh, this past week on Gideon, um, I, I want to just kick off the conversation by just talking about the ways in which we have observed preaching has changed over the course of our ministry, and we can even go back further from thinking about just ways that we've studied uh, preaching. Um, Because to me, I I think about when I first started um, preaching, like we we talked about in an earlier episode, I started preaching when I was 17 uh, in 1997, so I've been preaching over 20 years, and obviously there's a lot that's changed about me personally, but just culturally speaking, one of the big things for me is, is the role of technology in the preaching moment. Um, It's, and 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 for me personally, it runs the gamut from the preparation side all the way to the execution side. Um, All of, I don't say all, but the the vast majority of my commentaries are on my iPad. Um, I've got, I don't know how many study Bibles on my iPad that I can go and consult and, and word dictionaries and things, and they're all on my iPad. So if I'm 
sitting waiting for my card to be serviced, I can be working on a, a sermon and, and be studying and, and even on my iPad taking notes. Uh, I remember the first time I used an iPad preaching. And Kenny, do you use an iPad preaching, John? Do you? I do. You do. So all three of us. Um, Kenny started using an iPad a few years ago. I started using an iPad right when the iPad... I'm, I'm what you would call an early adopter. I was too. I don't think anybody would be shocked. I was I was done with paper, so I was ready for the iPad. Yeah, and I remember the very first time I decided I was going to go to the iPad, right after the iPad had come out, it wasn't like an initial thing. I was preaching a sermon on Sunday. Um, in my former church, I had to preach three sermons in a row, back to back to back to back, but because they were different, uh, different styles of services, I had to change clothes. We've talked about this before. And so and and the stage changed. It was all in the same room and the staging changed. It changed from a traditional service to a contemporary service to a traditional service again. And so that meant I had to move my manuscript. I moved my manuscript between the first service, the second service, no problem. Second service to third service, I had left two pages of the manuscript down <laughs> where I and I got to the end and I the whole conclusion was gone. and You uh, discovered that in the moment? In the moment, I discovered that. And thankfully, I'd already mm. preached it twice, so I knew it, you know. Um, but So yeah. technology's huge, huge deal. What about you, Kenny? What, what's changed for you? Um, I think one of the things I've noticed that has changed, and maybe this is just, this is just my broad observation about preaching um, the previous generations and just watching what's happened in my generation is I think that it seemed like my impression was that preachers rarely were transparent or vulnerable about Mm. almost anything, their family life, their own personal struggles with sin, um, or their failures. It just seemed like there was this idea that you, you had to maintain this perception that you were spiritually strong, uh, competent leader who, who had no weaknesses, kind of never let them see you sweat kind of idea. And, um, and I just think, and I, and I don't think that's healthy. Uh, I don't think that was a, uh, I don't think that was a really biblical or holistic approach anyways. So I think there's been a positive shift where it just seems like it's more common. Now I know my own preaching style, um, if I'm going to talk about myself, I hope more often than not, I'm talking about something I struggle with or some vulnerability versus propping up my strengths or whatever. And I just think that helps people. One, it helps people not idolize us as pastors, which I think can be a tendency. Um, and it also just gives people words and a window into how to deal with the same kind of stuff that they're dealing with. But I feel like yeah. that's really uh, shifted in our culture. I don't think that was always true. Yeah, definitely so. What about you, John? Well, a couple of things come to my mind. I, I think about a, a, a friend who told me when I was going to seminary that if you start sounding like a preacher, I'm going to come uh, something, you know, th- punch you in the throat or something. <laughs> I, I'm gonna, if you start real, real sounding loving, like, a, yeah, like, like uh, a kind of wooden and unaccessible, and speak in, in ways that are that are not hearable to the average person. So, I mean, I think I've I've had that in, in me, but I've seen the progression of yeah. that as well. Is to is to speak in the language of the people, and it's one of the things I I, I value yeah. is that people will say, "Look, I, I understand. It doesn't feel like you're preaching at me. It feels like you're talking to me and, yeah. and helping me understand some things about the word yeah. word of God." I think that's been a a, a progression, uh, and I see that uh, in a number of settings as well. And Zach, you mentioned the uh, the technology yeah. and the, the use of technology in preparation for it. Uh, I had a different 
take on that. And it is a change that for me, I, I started out with a straight up exegetical method where yeah. you're just going into the text, you do all your homework, you prepare a sermon, you get up there without an iPad because we didn't have them at the time, <laughs> and you just start you, you start preaching preaching away. And, uh, and then with the advent of technology came in the preparation itself was, okay, at this point when I have this illustration, uh, this, this spoken illustration, I want to have this visual illustration yeah. on, the sc- on the screen. Mm-hmm. So part of my preparation has been uh, uh, to, to, to think, okay, what do I want on, th- on the screen? Yeah. And I had, to, I had a, an image of the mustard seed and the mm-hmm. mustard plant at one point, so I went looking, you know, Google search, what, show me yeah. a mustard s- a tree mm-hmm. uh, like, it would, like it would have it in those days. So that par- part of the preacher's responsibility to prepare for mm-hmm. what goes is seen on the screen, even scripture, you know, what, how much scripture, how much scripture goes on one, one slide, uh, all, all of that. So that's taken up, a, that's been a change. I think it's been mm-hmm. a welcome change. But it's also interesting because here now in this church, in this church, in the classic service that I preached on Sunday. You don't have that. There's none of that. There's, yeah. So I feel like I'm going back in a good way, not in a bad way. Just yeah. like it's just it's just not there. So I don't I don't have that. So it challenged me me to get back to where I was, which yeah. was you don't have the visual picture of the mustard plant. Yeah. So now you need to paint that visual picture. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, I think um we Kenny and I've talked about that, you know, at times and and um it it, it in the in the vine service, sometimes the preaching becomes what we would consider more like typical teaching. You know, like I know we've thrown uh, we've had maps up on like th- this Sunday coming up. You know, I, we're preaching again out of Judges, and I'm talking about one of the battles and just to help people get an idea. This is a real place. The the rivers are real. I the, love mount, that. the mountains are real. Um, and we've done a little bit of that in classic by putting stuff in the bulletin, but you can only do that so much before yeah. stuff starts falling out all over the ground. But um and I think one of the things you said, John, I think some people expect a little more stimulus now. You know, not just hearing what's going on, but seeing. Mm-hmm. And so when you don't have that, you do have to be more creative in painting that picture. When mm-hmm. you don't have that that tool uh, to use, and and so I think that's uh, it is a it's an odd change. Um, uh, now, is the converse true as well? When you do have that ability to put yeah. the picture on the wall, it makes it easier on the preacher. Yeah, uh, I think it makes it easier. I think sometimes it can become a crutch. You know, um, I think yeah, I was going to say sometimes it seems like you can uh, you can put so much energy and effort into the media and the visuals. And kind of cheat the content yeah. of w- thinking through what you're going to say and making sure that the scripture part is clear because you've become so enamored with all the technological buttons and whistles that you could use. And then I think it gets thin. And I think people pick up on that and perceive that, too. They're like, oh, OK, that was that was visually kind of yeah. compelling, but I'm not even sure what he was preaching on. Yeah, I, I think there's that's the balance that we have to strike. Now, I remember when I first started preaching with tech, with with screens, which was pretty early on. Um, I would just try to throw everything <laughs> up there, you know. And I just realized now, now I tend to default movie clips, and yeah, everything, videos, and, 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 and I do pictures. some of, do some of that now. But n- most of the time, it's scripture, it's a visual to highlight it. If I if I don't think it's going to highlight it, then I don't use it. Um, uh, to highlight either an illustration or, or a, a point um, from the from the scripture, uh, but man, you know, Kenny's right. I think it it 
we have to struggle now. I don't say struggle. This is just part of the process, right? I mean, a lot of decisions. Yeah. A lot of decisions have to be made. And I think in previous generations, they had different decisions they had to make. You know, uh, now we have all the resources that we need at, the, at our fingertips at all times. I mean, I've, I don't know how many volumes, 300 volumes of commentary that I can carry around to a, to, to, to a waiting room somewhere. Whereas in the past, you know, you were in the study and you were, and there, there was probably benefit to that, but I think there's also downside to that. So I think we just are in a different time. So I think it's interesting. Um, and I think all three of us, having preached two and a half decades, two to two and a half decades, has seen that shift. All of us preached in a, not in a pre-technological day, but definitely in a pre-iPhone, iPad, internet, like, accessible all the time kind of age. I think that's been a big change. And I think it's interesting that all three of us have been in that. We've seen mm-hmm. that transition. We didn't have screens when no. I when I started. We didn't have start screens. No, no. And 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 you know, <laughs> I remember with the I had a preacher that pulled out a the overhead projector. Oh yeah. The transparency yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the yeah. transparency. And I thought yeah, and he was man. and he was preaching, right? And he was writing on it. I'm thinking that is really distracting me. I, I so, with, but it's interesting how the screen doesn't feel like it does that as much anymore. But anyway, no. it, it, that's an interesting conversation. We could talk probably an entire episode just about that. Um, but I do want to get into this Sunday. Uh, I, both messages, interestingly compelling in different ways. Uh, Kenny was in our Vine service. Pastor John was in our classic services. Um, preaching in the Sermons from the Saints series, again, out of Hebrews 11, and focusing on... A Gideon, and uh, so I'm going to start with you, John. What uh, in this text um, really was just jumped off the page for you from the get-go? Well, I think it was uh, the way that Gideon, um, you know, encountered the the what what God was doing uh, with him. The, you know, the whole the whole context is the the invasion by the Midianites. And uh, and the trouble that they were in, mm-hmm. and and Gideon did the the thing that any one of us would have done, and he began to muster an army, and God is like, no, 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 I have I, this is not what I want to do. It's not how I'm going to see how you're going to see how I'm at work in your life, yeah. and so, and so it's really that core central uh, action of the uh, of what he thought was going to be a a four to one you know, ratio battle. I mean, they're still going to be an underdog, but it's just going to be. You know they'll do their best and 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 trust God, but it was like vastly different. Yeah. And when God puts that vastly different setting upon him, how Gideon was like, I'm 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 in. I'm yeah. Good. So it's really the, it was the response of Gideon to a a dramatic reduction or dramatic uh, act of God to say, you will trust me and you will see amazing things. And that's what that's the thing that jumped off. And everything else was really kind of filling that out. Yeah. But it's really that jumping jumped off that how much Gideon. We just went went with it. God said, "Let's do it," and he, and he went with it. You don't see resistance. You saw some resistance. I talked about that. You saw some resistance on the front end. Yeah. But once you had some things settled, you didn't see that resistance. Yeah. What about you, Kenny? Uh, looking at the the life and story of Gideon, what were the things that kind of really jumped off the page for you? Well, I think it's one of those situations where no matter how many times you go back to the, a story that you've read before, depending on your stage of life and kind of what's going on you see things a little bit differently so um for me this time through for whatever reason i I just the the, him him being told to tear down the idols uh was a big thing and i just thought that's really interesting out of all the things that god 
could have done in terms of preparation or repentance. Um, so that that stood out to me as as God wanting to make it clear that these false idols in no way were going to be attributed with the victory that he was about to deliver for them. He wanted to make it absolutely certain that that he alone was God and and that sort of thing. And so it, I, I kind of zeroed in on how idolatry was at the center of that yeah. of his story and how God was trying to neutralize that and, and how to how to build faith. Yeah. Well, it was it was interesting listening to both of your messages. You both mentioned both points: one that 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 Gideon uh, was called to tear down the idols, and two that Gideon had a, an initial resistance to his call. But you both emphasized a little bit more one than the other, and that was a really and that's one of the things. If I it, we, this is not a shameless plug, one of the things that we have at FPC that I think is unique is we have multiple preachers preaching um, more often than not the same passage of scripture and the opportunity for people to. Exp- to listen to both and experience both and then get a much richer, I think, view of, of the, of the, the scripture passage. And this week was yep. really, I think, like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yep. uh, um, when I, I was in Vine with Kenny and, and listened to it in real time and that dismantling of idols was a, was a big feature. And John brought out this idea that Gideon is in a long line of people who resisted God's initial call that felt totally inadequate to, yep. to yep. face that call down. And how both of those things tie so intimately into what ultimately results in his life of, or his act of faith, his major act of faith. Um, I want to just ask if there were, what kind of challenges uh, did you encounter with this passage um, that, were, that were maybe unique? Things that you look at and go, I, I just can't dive into this as much, I just can't, uh, this, this, is, this is one piece that I can't really get into. And I'll start with you, Kenny, what were some of the things that you're just like, if I'd had like 10 more minutes or if this was a, a multi-week series on just on Gideon, this is what we'd go to. Um, what, what were those things for you, Kenny? Well, I think one of the, one of the, the, the big contrast between what John did and what I did was um, I, I left completely it, really anything past God whittling down Gideon's army to 300. Um, that became my last focal point in the narrative of the story where John really, um, he brought out the the tail end of, of what we have of, of kind of Gideon's um, the way he compromises towards the end of his life. And then you once again, see his frailty and his, um, his sin and which was really cool. Um, and in my mind, I was just like, golly, I can't say everything. Yeah. And so it's always decisions about what you're going to say and what you're not going to say. But in John's message, I love that because I thought that was such a, that was such an easy thing to relate to because it once again, because you start out with Gideon is just like us because he's, you know, he's kind of slippery. He doesn't really want to, he's kind of insecure or whatever. We relate to him. And then he's at the middle of this incredible victory from God. He becomes this hero of faith. And it's like, wow, we hold him up again. And then the end of his life, he becomes real personal and human again because he screws up. And um, so I thought that was really a way to, to round out the story that I didn't get to in mind. I yeah. just didn't feel like I could do it all. So that's that's the thing that got left out in mind that I really appreciated in John's. Well, and just to, and just to pick up on that too, I think that's one of the challenges. And Zach, you've been in the series as well. Yeah. Uh, I maybe you felt the same way. Oh. Is like when you've got these narratives, even if it's you know one chapter. I mean, you have multiple chapters of, of narrative. 
and you see these details. These details are in this in the Bible for a reason to yeah. fill out the the life of this person, so that we can look long and hard at the life of this person, and then and then see you know, what was it in Hebrews eleven that they looked back on and said was was commendable. And so, to, to you know, do I do the do I do the the uh, the testing of God? The fleece is wet one time, the, the yeah. ground around is wet next time. <laughs> None of us, neither one of us, brought that out. No, no. Yeah. no. So there's all these little vignettes of the in the life of Gideon that we could have chosen, and which ones do we we concentrate on? Yeah, and I think it goes back the conversation we had last week um, around you know what are the you know what are the um, the how do we choose you know what do we leave out what what do we leave and I think the thing. The thing about this series is we're we're focusing on Hebrews eleven, so the question becomes, why did they end up in Hebrews eleven? You know, I think if the interesting thing about if we if we started in Judges, let's say we were doing a series on Judges, just on Judges, and we might pick up the Hebrews eleven piece, and and obviously I think we would do that, but that wouldn't be necessarily the focal point. I think at least how I've approached the series, um, I approached it with with Rahab last week, approach it again uh, this week coming up is how did they end up <laughs> in this list? What is it that, that... Why them? Why not some others? Uh, yeah, because they're obviously, just like we have to make decisions, and Kenny has to make decisions, you have to make decisions, John, I have to make decisions about what we're going to leave in, what we're going to leave out. The, the Hebrews writer, I mean, we're not talking about every person of faith from the Old Testament. We're talking about a very selective list, and some of those names, and, and when, we brought the, when you brought this series to the table, one of the things that you said was, we're really outside of Moses. Um, we're really going to focus on the head scratchers, <laughs> you know, the the people that are like. And we've got a few of them coming up. Oh man, <laughs> to round out this series, the last some real head scratchers. The last two are probably I, I, they are they're head scratchers. Just leave it at that. Um, not to tease it out too much, but you're right. I mean, you have to make those decisions, and we have to because you can't say it all. But again, that's the bonus of here. You can hear two messages, and you bring out we all bring out a little bit of a different different angle um, with that. One of the things I thought was interesting, John, um, was that at the you did tie that failure point mm-hmm. with 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 uh, Gideon, mm-hmm. and um, and 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 then you use that application point in reverse, right? So. Gideon had this faith moment. He had this uh, this or this this victory. He wanted to be God's man, but then he let his I don't know what it was his ego or whatever get the better of him and 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 take on a role that was was um, unrighteous. And he didn't finish well. And so your application point was, hey, finish well. You know, um, we're not going to be perfect, but finish well. And I thought that was a really interesting way to do an application in reverse. Well, and it, and I. You know, talk to a lot of people, and there, a lot of people uh, are reach an age where they are thinking about exactly that, finishing well. Yeah. What does it mean to finish well? And so, so in in this case, you know, Gideon had this failure, and I, that was really just an effort to encourage a congregation of people to say, look, you know, you've lived faithfully all the, these years, up and down, whatever it's been. Now, you know, Kenny, you you talked about the dimmer switch. The dimmer switch has been 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 bright and it's been dim yeah. at different times, but make sure that as you as you finish out the decades of your life, that you you really focus more and more on that. So yeah. I think it's a you know people reach a certain stage of life and and they're ready for that. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I, Kenny, one of the things that you did, John just alluded to it was you when you opened the message, you opened again with this idea of. 
uh, and I thought it was really good, at this, especially at this stage of the series, when we're talking about people that are really doing stuff, the difference between saving faith and living faith. Yeah, that was good. Um, I, I, it's always, I think, because the idea is we're talking about people that are living, that are in the faith. What was the, uh, I mean, what was your mentality going into that, Kenny, using that, that dimmer switch illustration um, to, to bring that up? Well, I think that uh, um, there still exists this belief that that the goal that the, really the goal of Christianity is just to get people to heaven, yeah. And the only and the, what you need to get to heaven is saving faith. And so I think anytime you use the word faith, for some people that's all they hear is oh he's talking about like am I a Christian or not? Mm-hmm. Uh, which to me all the he, all the characters of Hebrews eleven um, are commended for the fact that they lived out their faith in, in real life. And that's, to, so I was just trying to make some kind of a distinction. I actually don't think it, it's that clean of a distinction in reality. Cause to me, the kind of faith that saves you turns out to be the kind of faith that has to be lived out in real life. But I was just trying to, to create a different, a different way to see it so that people could distinguish between, Oh, okay. He's not saying, trust Jesus for the first time um, or try to, you know, get to heaven one day, he's actually talking about something else. And, um, so anyway, so that, that was, I just felt like that was something that, that maybe would be important to say at the beginning. And then the dimmer switch was, I just, I don't know, I I guess I'm super practical. So I just, I, I, I love, I love that Jesus always did that with, you know, picking things that people would see again. Did they, say, did they turn oh, the dang. lights down in the room? What, yeah. what happened in the room? Yeah, that was a, yeah. That, that was a cool moment. Yeah, and I had cued David to do that, oh, okay. um, but I was like, you know what? I said, if it doesn't work out, dude, it's no big deal. I'm not gonna like wait for it to happen. I'm gonna keep rolling. But if you can pull away from the soundboard and do that, that would be kind of cool. And he did it, and it was. Uh, and I had actually forgotten at that point that we planned on doing it. So yeah. when the when the congregation reacted, I, I kind of stopped. Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> they, they they brought the lights way way up and then way way back down, and that, that was a. It was it was not one of the because you know one of those things that's tricky in that moment. Talk about the technology thing is is. Uh, is it going to be obvious enough that it, it may, and they did a good job of making it obvious. And then it just kind of just a little levity, but also highlighting that difference. I thought that was, that was really cool. And uh, again, it is important to, to make that difference. And we've all kind of in different ways touched on the, the root of this series is about the faith of those who were awaiting the promise that would ultimately come in Jesus Christ. And they lived that, that, that anticipation out. Mm-hmm. And so we've been really touching on, okay, how do they do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate you guys hanging out and Kenny for, for allowing us to call you in from Nashville. Enjoy the cold weather. Um, yeah. This week uh, coming up, I'll be in the Vine service. John will be in Classic. Classic. Uh, we are touching on Barak, uh, mm-hmm. f- again from the Book of Judges, uh, which to me, it's so funny how many characters in the Hebrews 11 chapter from Judges, this really dark period in Israel's history. Um, but that's going to be a cool... Uh, it's It's been cool to kind of unpack that. So if uh, if you are in, in the area, we'd love to have you come by 8.15 and 10.30. So just, uh, just a preview, we have three more characters. Three more. Barak, Samson, and Jephthah. Yeah, one of those names most people probably know, and the other mm-hmm. two are probably less less known. 
And uh, if you've missed any one of our messages, be sure to check us out on YouTube. Um, just simply search for FPC Lakeland um, or check out our website, fpclakeland.org. You can also uh, find us on Facebook, FPC Lakeland. Um, and if you've missed any one of our uh, episodes of Armchair Preaching, we're on Spotify, Podcast, Apple Podcast, Google Play, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast. Or again, you can go to our website, fpclakeland.org. Thank you, Kenny. Appreciate you you hanging out with us absolutely see you guys see you Kenny stay warm yes thank you John we'll talk to you guys next time